Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Steve Agee. Uh, I am your host, Steve Agee. Before we get into it, let's talk about sex. Or not specifically sex as much as orgasms or sex-related items. Um, there's a little website called AdamEve.com, which I've... I've known about for a long time because I listen to a lot of podcasts and they advertise on a lot of podcasts. And uh, I think they're pretty amazing. I am a person, I've mentioned this before, who uh, is easily embarrassed and easily shamed. I can't walk into a porn store and buy a, a, a pocket pussy. <laughs> it's not, that's not what they call them anymore. When I was growing up, they were called pocket pussies. Now I believe they're called fleshlights, but I could never go in and buy one because I'm embarrassed way too easily because of my Christian upbringing. That's why there's an amazing site like AdamEve.com that takes away the embarrassment and the shame and lets you just get right down to the nitty gritty of buying sex stuff. You like uh, you like DVDs? They've got them. You like um, dildos, butt plugs. Anything you can think of uh, in the sexual arena, they've probably got it at AdamEve.com. You don't believe me? Go and look. Go to AdamEve.com and look around, and I defy you to find something. And don't make shit up like a fucking nipple vacuum. Steve, they didn't have nipple vacuums. That that actually might be a thing, and if it is, they probably do have it at AdamEve.com. So if you go to AdamEve.com, you can buy condoms, whatever you want. Uh, put in the promo code STEVE. That is just such a fucking non... <laughs> that's, just a, that's just such a boring promo code. Just put in my name, Steve. And uh, you can get up to 50% off of uh, most items there. And um, happy whacking it. Thanks, guys. Here we go. Uh, episode number... I don't know what episode. I don't know how many episodes of this show I've done. But uh, this is the next one. <laughs> Chronologically, obviously. 31! Episode 31, Dustin tells me, of my podcast. And uh, I have a very special guest. Uh, a good friend of mine. I've known him since the 90s. Um if you watch a lot of cartoons, chances are you've heard his voice. His name is Phil Lamar. He's been on Futurama. He's been on Samurai Jack, Justice League, a million other shows, video games, Metal Gear. Uh, one of the Metal Gears he was on. Um, he was on Mad TV. The first, the first season of Mad TV, he, Phil was on, and uh, he also had the pleasure of having his head blown off by John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. Uh, Phil's a great friend, uh, so listen to this. I hope you like it. Thank you very much. Here we go. 
Welcome to my professional podcast. Um, are you, are you, are you, t- are you, t- are you <coughs> tweeting while we... I just we- started... No, I was... I was looking up a clip of yours online. Uh-oh. Actually, I'll play it now. Uh, just so everyone... Uh, everyone does know, because they... Like I say every week, they clicked on the link to get here. So they know that my guest is Phil Lamar. Hi, Phil. Uh, <coughs> choking on water. Hey, Steve. How are you, man? I'm good. Um, Phil Lamar, who some of you may know from... <laughs> You may know me from such television such extravaganzas such as... clips as this. Don't worry, I will. Yeah, and I bet you $10,000 he lasts his ass off. I don't give a damn if he does. Marvin, what do you make of all this? Man, I don't even have an opinion. Well, you gotta have an opinion. I mean, do you think that God came down from heaven and stopped... Oh! Oh! Oh, oh, oh man! Shit, man! Oh, man, I shot Marvin in the face. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Um, There's nothing I love more than Sam Jackson's like, oh! <laughs> How long ago did you shoot? What year was that? That will be 20 years. Actually, it's 20 years since we shot it. 20 years? This year. And it'll be 20 years since it came out last next year. And, of course, is Phil getting shot in the head by John Travolta in That's Pulp right. Fiction. I'll be last his ass off. He, does, he, um, he says I, I tweeted for people to ask questions, and one of, one of the questions was from someone uh, – was how do you think Marvin would have answered that question before he got shot in the head? I mean, obviously, Marvin didn't have an opinion. He didn't have an opinion. But does he think God came down from heaven and stopped the bullets? He Man. was there. Marvin was in the room when the— Man, I look, for all I know, those holes were in the wall before the bullets were <laughs> shot. We don't know, which is actually the right answer because the holes were in the wall because they there was a, a fuck-up. Really? Have you heard about this? No. People, yeah, people online have, have noticed it. It's one of the big gaffes in big movies. When they cut to them right before Alexis Arquette's character starts to shoot, if you freeze frame it, you can see the holes are already in the wall. Oh, fuck, dude. Um, because, like, we did one long take, you know, without the holes, and then we went back, and, you know, before they did a run-up to uh-huh. him coming out. Yeah. And... I guess Quentin just liked that take, you know, and Fuck. it was pre everybody having digital capability to freeze everything. Oh, yeah. So it's like, and I mean, although, you know what? Quentin was a Criterion Laserdisc guy. So he's like, you know what? Fuck them. Fuck them. If they, if they love the movie, they'll just fucking watch it. <laughs> I never noticed that. See? Because you love the movie. Because I, I do love the movie. It's, I think it's still my favorite uh, Tarantino movie. More than True Romance? Or you mean of his directing writing and directing, yeah. I think maybe even writing wise. I well, I love True Romance too, but um how long how long were you shooting on that movie? Um how many days? It was I think it was total 5 days, but it was spread out over 2 weeks because it was over the Thanksgiving holiday in 93. So, and- yeah, we shot uh a couple of days um before the holiday then came back and did the apartment stuff after. And how how did you come to – because I know in that movie in particular, there's a lot of groundlings. I mean, you come from yeah. the groundlings, which is where I know you from. But there's a lot of groundlings in that movie. Kathy Griffin, mm-hmm. Karen Murayama. Julia Sweeney. S- Julia Sweeney. Steve Hibbert is the gimp, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> you? Uh, I'm pretty sure we all wound up there the same way because um, Quentin was friends with Julia. And Steve, um, they met when from the story I always heard was that when Harvey Keitel came to host SNL, 
it was during the Reservoir Dogs press, and right. Quentin came with him and met up with Julia and Steve and, like, really hit it off and wound up doing an uncredited polish on It's Pat. The movie? Yes. Tarantino did. A- <laughs> yes. Apparently wasn't much of a polish, but... <laughs> Uh, I had no idea. That's amazing. But yeah, those those were my first two feature films. It's Pat and Pulp Fiction. So did you even audition for it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's funny because uh, the woman who was casting it was Ronnie Yeskel. <clears throat> yeah. Who I actually knew because she had cast me in uh, an episode of L.A. Law you know, a couple <laughs> years before that. And and Quentin came and did a Cooking with Gas show. Yeah, at the Groundlings. For those who don't know, that's an improv show at the Groundlings. Yeah, we uh, every Thursday night at the Groundlings, there's a sh- it's an improv show with a celebrity guest. Yeah. One week, Quentin was a celebrity guest, and I was uh, one of the Groundlings in the cast, and I met him there. Um, and then when he was casting, you know, uh, Ronnie comes up to him, and is like, "All right, for Marvin, we've got you know, there's a, a young actor I really think you should look at named Phil Lamar, who's uh, he, I think he'd be a really good for this part." And Quentin's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure he's great, but there's this black guy at the Groundlings. Can, can, make sure you can find him. I, I can't." Remember. No way. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So it it was funny because, like, you know, I barely did any movies back then. So, like, I auditioned, and it was the best script I'd ever written. It's I mean, really ever good. read. Yeah. Sorry. But, like, you know, like when you're running through the lines, just trying to, you know, figure out your beats. But, like, the third time through, You've... I realized, oh, my God, I've got it memorized already. Yeah. It and flows. I... Oh. That's Those are the best kind of scripts. The easiest to memorize is where each line leads to the next line, like – like, you, you can't not sense. say the next line. Because, like, well, that's what would that's come next. That's what someone would say. Yeah. Those are the best. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I auditioned for it doing the the uh, Jules-Brett scene. Like, you know, say what again? That whole you – know, oh, yeah, yeah. He didn't – it was like there's no point in doing the three lines that Marvin has. There's no point in I don't even have an opinion. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I did that and then – it was three months before I heard anything. I'm like, oh, I guess, I guess I didn't get it. Because you know, in t- TV was what I was doing most of back then. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of sitcom stuff. And in TV, you find out quick. It's like you know, a week turnaround at the most. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm like, oh, yeah. Usually, you audition for TV, and it's like even in the breakdown, it's like this shoots on Wednesday. Right. Like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah. It's like you got to be available. I will know in the next five hours if I got this part or not. Exactly. And usually, it's not. Oh, my God. Have you ever uh, – yeah, speaking of the immediacy of TV, have you ever been on one of those things where you, like, find out as you're heading away from the audition, like, positive oh, yeah, or yeah. negative? <clears throat> yeah. Because uh, I remember one time, like, testing for something. It's like, all right, we're going to do studio, and then you'll have an hour, and then you'll head to the network. Yep. And, like, on the way out of the studio – because I think I stopped to get a bite to eat in the commissary yep. or something. And on the way to my car, like – well, it's not going any further. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I didn't even go anywhere. I'm like, yeah, it's it, it's weird. It's like being counted out while you're still standing. It's like I ain't even fallen down yet, man. Five, ten, you're out. Yeah. I auditioned for a part in the office that um, the audition went so well. It was really good. It was for it was like would have been a recurring part, the part of Steve Carell's neighbor. Oh, wow. and uh, I went into Allison Jones, who yeah. casts a lot of those comedies yeah she's great. she's probably the biggest comedy casting director in la yeah she's really and great. uh so i went in had a great audition she's and this was when sarah's show was on the air still so oh, okay. she's like oh she's like i'm a big fan and uh i had a great audition and i walked out and i was, as i leave i call my agents i'm like that went fucking great i'm like 
make sure you follow up on this because right. it went really well. Hung up, like got a coffee, walked across the street to my car, got in my car, my phone rang, and they're like, yeah, the uh, the writer of the episode just cast himself in the part. <laughs> and that writer was Greg Daniels, who was the showrunner. Yeah, and you can see it. Like, it ended up being a really small part, and I think... I don't know if you ever saw him more than once right, in never, this series. Well, but, that's because they didn't have you know the proper talent skill set yeah. behind it. And um, <laughs> it was uh, – yeah, he cast himself, which I would have done too. I'd have been like, oh, fuck it. I'll do it. Well, but that's weird because I don't think of Greg as one of those like actor Actors, for sure. But uh, I mean very, very – He made up for it guy. by hiring me for a pilot that he did earlier this year with Greg, Craig Robinson. Oh, cool. Um, which we still haven't heard from, but <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that was uh, that was that. Isn't that funny? Like, I don't know. I would love to actually have like a study of how many times you walk into a room, somebody says, "Oh, I'm a big fan," or "We're big fans," and it absolutely winds up adding up to absolutely nothing. Oh, all the time. I, I feel like more times you go in there and they don't know you, you get the job. Yeah, I don't know. I've gone in. I've gone into auditions where it's been like the, just what you just said. It's like, oh, huge fan. We're so glad to have you in here. We've been meaning to get you in here for a long time. Right. And then you walk out and you call your agent. And you're like, that went great. Right. I they fucking nailed me. it. And then you don't hear anything. Like It's to the point where they say that and it, I don't even hear it anymore. <laughs> like, well, I know. I mean, because what are you going to do about it? I mean, I guess – because when I get in my head, I'm like, well, they were big fans, and then they didn't hire me. So I guess they ain't that big of fans anymore. Apparently, I was a disappointment. Yeah, they yeah they were fans. He's so much smaller in person. Yeah, I don't know. That's what it is. It, yes, I get that, too. I, he's so much bigger. In, like, I walk in there like, wow, I had no idea you were so tall. <laughs> Mainly because everyone on Sarah's show was tall. Like, Brian Posehn right, was right, really tall, to dude. Jay, Jay Johnston. Um, but, yeah, it... Uh, I, I hate auditions. I'm really bad at them. Really? Yeah. Now, do you do you mean that in the sense that you you have objective proof that you're bad at auditions, or just like I don't like it, I don't enjoy it? No, I just think I'm. I think I'm bad at them in general. Like, I get in my head a lot. I, right. I even if I memorize my sides, right. my my lines for the audition, I can have I can be so off book and go into an audition. And then as soon as they start, I immediately start reading my lines, like looking at them like it's a crutch. You know right. what I mean? Well, the, the thing I hate the most is and, – and I don't – like you go in there and it's people you know or whatever and it's like you're really comfortable. And you're like, oh, hey. And it's like it's, – you're riffing and it's funny. It's hilarious. And the, you can feel the energy is up at this – like a level up here. And then all of a sudden you start reading and everything falls down. You're quiet. like, oh, shit. I got to be at least as funny doing their stuff as my stuff, or they're going to hate me. Yeah, they're just staring at you with that dead, like, oh, that he, dead smile. He was so funny a second ago. Why isn't he doing that anymore? You know, and I've, and it's that same thing. I feel like am I in my head? Am I just tight and stiffening up? You know, or, or and worse, you're making it look like their their work is shitty. It's like, well, I know he can be funny. Yeah. But now he's decided that, okay, well, fine. Let's find someone who can who gets me. 
And then you go back to that same casting director over and over, and you, every time you go in, they're like, yeah, we, we love having you in here. We, we're going to find something for you. <laughs> we're going to find a part for you. We'll get you on the show. Ugh, yeah, that's I've it. heard we'll get you on the show so many times right. and never been on the show. <laughs> and you're like, well, I guess that's better than them, like, sighing and acting like you're wasting their time. But yeah. ultimately, when the rent comes due, it's the same thing. Ugh. That reminds me. <laughs> Phil and I were a part of the, I And I mentioned this. This is part of the reason you're here. Uh, Shannon Woodward, who did uh, my – not this last podcast, but the one before, I, I mentioned to her the because she's on a show with Martha Plimpton, right. The Sad, Sad Conversation, which was a, a series of video um, – Yeah. What would you, uh, what would how you, would you, you call des- – how would you describe it? It was a video conversation or Vl- – Video vlog- blogs. It was, it was video blogs, yeah. Video blogs, but between a group of yeah. actors. Right. Yeah, that's a, as good a description. Complaining as about acting, <laughs> or the actually complaining about not acting. Well, it's funny because like, you, I remember while we were doing it, it's like, wow, is this really like all about complaining? And then as soon as people started getting work, it fell apart. So I'm like, oh, I guess it really was. It really was about complaining. <laughs> it's like, hell, I'm on scandal. I can't complain. Anymore. And then you feel, yeah, because you feel bad. You're like, well, sometimes I work. There are people who are a lot worse off who. Um, yeah, it was definitely like an exploration of middle class actor life, which was, I think, the most interesting thing about it. I mean, from a personal standpoint, it was great to know that other people were dealing with the feelings and issues that yeah. I'm dealing with, you know. But also, I would imagine from the outside, it's like, wow, I've never seen this particular corner of showbiz. Yeah. You know, we've seen like struggling artists, you know, tap, 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 tap. I'm going to get it. Yeah, you, you see know? it in every movie about acting. It's the, the guy living in a fucking hotel that they pay hourly you know, <laughs> in New York and, and struggling to be on Broadway. Right. Yeah. Or you've seen, you know, or we all feel like we have a sense of the glamorous life. You know, it's like, oh, Brad and Angelina just landed their jet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Beyonce just bought Jay-Z a, his own private jet for his birthday. <laughs> Ugh. How do you surprise somebody with a jet? Uh, Does it... <laughs> It's like I mean, the, the hardest thing is not finding the jet. It's a box to put it in. Yeah. That's the toughest part. <laughs> I want to know how she presented that to him, like the jet. Like, come on, get in the get in the limo, or I'm taking you to your. But then again, how easy is it to surprise somebody when they're always being driven someplace? Like, okay, baby, well, let's let's go to the yeah, let's go to you know dinner. All right, hmm, this is taking a long time, but I'm yeah. busy. You know, on the phone or the Bluetooth or whatever, and all of a sudden I wind up, you know, at LaGuardia. You know? I wish I could have seen that. I wish I could have seen her, like, you know, maybe she had him blindfold or something. All right, get out of the car. All right, here it is. Take off the blindfold. Right. I wish I could have seen his reaction. Like, oh, like, was he freaking out or was he like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, because I mean, I don't know. Well, that's true because it's not like. He's going to get the credit card bill. It's like, hey, wait a minute. What's this a purchase for? $67 million. <laughs> yeah. Millions. That thing cost millions easily, right? Yes. Ugh. That's not even the upkeep. Uh, yeah, the fuel, you're just keeping it in a hangar, having a crew, like, available. Wow. Yeah, but, I mean, no, it's pr- it's got to be pretty easy to surprise him with that because all you got to do is talk to the driver, talk to the business manager, Hey, y'all, let's get him a jet. (laughs) 
Yeah, I feel with like a more common man, it would have been a lot harder for them to uh, be surprised. Like you would have been like, she's. You would have been aware that right. something was up. <laughs> It's like, hey, we're gonna go to we're uh, going to meet Richard Branson at the hangar. Oh, he, sure. He probably hey, doesn't even see Beyonce that often. Exactly. It's like, wait a minute, baby, where's where's Branson? I don't see Branson. That ain't Branson's jet. That's mine. Oh, dang. It. <laughs> that was a seamless edit. Seamless. Most people listening to this podcast wouldn't know that we had to go back and yeah. Anyway, Erica Jong in the seamless edit. Yeah. Erica Jong. Yeah, uh, the I was some article about her. She was the woman who wrote this book in the seventies, "Fear of Flying," coined Whoa. the term "the zipless fuck." The zipless fuck. What is that? I don't know. I've only I've heard the term, but I don't actually know what it means. But wait, did she also introduce the concept of the Mile High Club? I can't remember. She was basically like one of these people writing late sixties, early seventies. That you know, this book was one of the spearheads of the sexual revolution. And it was about flying? Uh, Dustin, can you look this up? Z- the seamless fuck or the zipper fuck? What's it called, Phil? The zipless fuck is the part z- of Erica Jong's Fear of Flying. J-E-O-N-G? J-O-N-G. Sounds, sounds Asian, but she's not. The zipless fuck. Please, Dustin, yeah. chime in when you... Yeah, find out, find out what a zipless, the zipless fuck. fuck. I think what it's referring to is like... Uh, what what do we say now? Uh, no strings attached. NSA, same thing. It's like, but in the but then it was a much more revolutionary concept, like sex sans commitment. I, I want to read this book now because I I'm obsessed with flying and fear of flying. Well, that's funny because I I guess it actually does. Um, it, it was rooted in her. She actually did have a fear of flying. Yeah. Um, but then yeah, after writing the book, she said, I got over it. She probably had to fly a lot for it. Was That's she like exactly fucking she a lot of people while she was flying? I, <laughs> that would actually get me over my fear of flying. I'm so confused about this book. I, yeah. I, and I, I have not read it. I've just read of it. You know the other cure for, for fear of flying? Not flying. Private jets. Oh, uh, I don't know, man. Have you seen that YouTube video of uh, that Ricky Gervais posted of him flying in a private jet with Louis C.K.? No. They flew, I guess, across country in, like, a private jet, and Ricky Gervais is just videotaping (laughs) um, Louis C.K., who is freaking the fuck out because they're in turbulence. Like, the whole flight, like, really bad turbulence. And it's just (laughs) Louis, like, you can see his face. He's totally terrified. He's like... Fuck, baby, fuck, Jesus, <laughs> mother, fuck, cut. And Ricky Gervais is just screaming, laughing the whole time. You got to YouTube asshole. that. It's fucking amazing. That's hilarious. <laughs> I don't see the zipless fuck on this monitor yet. The zipless fuck. Um, the seamless? Uh, sorry about that, but it's, the, it's a quick sexual exchange where little personal information see? is exchanged between the two parties. The zipless fuck. It's a, a, yeah. Keep your mouth zipped. A quick sexu- oh, no, sexual would... exchange where, yeah, little information. It's, don't speak. No, but it's... it's... That sounds very 80s or right. 70s. Like, just meet someone in a club, fuck them in the bathroom. Exactly. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely like, yeah. Post-AIDS, nobody's writing the zipless fuck. No. Um, uh, we, we, uh, a zip full fuck. Yeah. That's something I, I'm actually still angry about. AIDS? Yeah. Because it... <laughs> 
<laughs> really? Yes. Because well, yeah, I, I, I became... don't think everyone's like, eh, no, no, I'm, I'm mad okay about with AIDS now. I'm mad. Not like sad. Not like, oh, what have you tried? I'm mad. Because I came of age. You didn't have a, get to have a sexual revolution no, because of AIDS. No, I, like, I became sexually active like literally uh, like six months before After... AIDS hit. Oh. So it's like, oh, my God, this is so cool. What? What? No. Really? Now it's all about fear and death? Fuck. Yeah. I was convinced as a child that I had AIDS. Like, I, I would see it on the – that's how far my hypochondria goes back. Like I remember seeing a news report watching TV as a kid about herpes and I was like 10 or 11 oh, and in no. my head I'm like – well, I got that. I got herpes. <laughs> I thought I had herpes when I was like 10 years old. Wow. So you're- Same with AIDS. I was just like, fuck, I have all this shit. I your fear completely outran your understanding of the transmission. I didn't of understand disease. any of that shit. I don't think I even knew what sex was, but I was like, oh, I, I have that disease probably. I just know it's bad. That's They're a bad disease. They're about it on the news. They say anyone can get it, so I know I got it. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, it sounds like a very 70s- yeah. I wish I would. I mean, I wish. I love the 70s so much. I've been posting on Facebook a lot of photos and video clips from, like, 70s movies. I'm obsessed. Oh, okay. It's my favorite era of film, you know, like The French Connection. Right. Uh, the Long Goodbye. I watched The Long Goodbye, and there's uh, – with Elliot Gould, you know, and there's – Oh, God. He lives in a house. Because he's playing Philip Marlowe, right? Yeah. He lives in, like, a bungalow in that movie. It was really cool, and there's, like, an elevator. Like, it's in the Hollywood Hills. Really? I posted photos on my Instagram of this, like, tower. It's like a big tower in the middle of the Hollywood Hills with an elevator that just <laughs> goes up to a community of bungalows. Oh, wow. And uh, as soon as I watched that movie, I'm like, I got to find this place. And I, like, Googled it and, like, really? the next day went and took photos. I'm so obsessed with the 70s. That's hilarious. Like, breaking away. Any 70s. Oh fucking my God, movie. Breaking Away. See, now, Breaking Away is one of the f- rare 70s movies that's not as dated. Yeah. I mean, because the thing is, <clears throat> a lot. There's, it's weird. There's stuff from the 30s, you know, which is of its time, certainly. But somehow, to me, sev- movies from the 70s feel even more dated than black and white movies from the 30s. Really? Yeah, just because I guess those seem period, and 70s movies don't seem period. They just seem old. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because like, the, yeah. the rhythms of them is completely different. Like takes are much longer. And, and somebody uh, once explained to me that it's uh, the advent of nonlinear editing. Like when people stopped having to cut film on film. On the actual reel, yeah. Like it's like, oh, well, now to make an edit, all I have to do is press a button. Well, fine. Let's cut the shit out of this. Let's cut here, cut here, cut there. Yeah. And since then – Attention spans have been shorter because oh, it's crazy now. You're not required to look at it. I mean, I remember, you, like, watch Shaft. Yeah, you know, like Shaft, like grabs his jacket, like, let's go get this motherfucker. Grabs his jacket. You see him get up you out of his see desk. Every part of the walks to the door. Yeah. Then walks down the hall. Yeah. Then walks out the door. Then down the the sidewalk. Yeah. <laughs> when I watch those movies with my friends, it's like nothing but us, like yelling, cut, cut. <laughs> Like, the whole time, it's like, all right, we got to go get this dude. And then walk into the car, getting in the car, driving, like, You're, at I'm, a I'm stop a... sign. You're like, fuck, man, you can just cut to being at the dude's house. <laughs> but they don't. They never do. Oh, I love that shit, man. 
I really do have a problem with old, like, 30s and 40s movies, you know, like... Have a problem with... You know, you the dialogue, like, like the... Which, Listen, that, I don't know. I don't, oh, like, yeah, the, the the stylized way of speaking. Yeah. The, and that continental accent. Mid-Atlantic. Yeah, mid-Atlantic, yeah. Well, it's funny because it's not like quite it. European, but everyone's speaking in a, in a way that's very highfalutin, you know? Yeah, classy. <laughs> exactly. Like, I remember trying to watch... Uh, what's the... Uh, Bring it up, baby. The one that no, they film class. Phil- Philadelphia, the the Catherine mm. uh, Philadelphia story. The Philadelphia story. The other story. one, yeah. other than bringing up baby, not the AIDS one, <laughs> not Philadelphia. <laughs> I tried watching it and like was so annoyed with the dialogue patterns that I couldn't watch it. Wow. <laughs> and I also, I'm going to be honest, I can't watch Citizen Kane because of like the way they talk. And I, Citizen Kane is actually isn't that great. I don't like it and. I, I've a lot of people hate when I say that. Like, I don't like that movie. I mean, I understand that it's it was groundbreaking at the time, but there there comes a point. I mean, and and sadly enough, I have to say there's a similar effect with Pulp Fiction. Like, people who watch Pulp Fiction now, yeah, cannot appreciate it in the same way as as people who it was were, who were watching movies before Pulp Fiction came out. Yeah. It's like the stuff that he's doing in that movie, n- people hadn't do- a lot hadn't done before. Yeah, and s- like if you watch it now, there have been so many movies who do so many of the things that are in that movie. Yeah, it's like oh, well, I mean, it's still good, it's still really, really good, and the performance sold up. You know, which is my problem with uh, Citizen Kane, the groundbreakingness of it is still there, but like the performances aren't. Like that, you know, that amazing to me. You have so many pissed off people. It's, fu- I, I, it's the same way with like comedy too. Like groundbreaking comedians. Like if you go back and watch now, you're like, everyone does that now. So now that I, right. when I watch like a George Carlin doing like, right. you ever notice? Right, right, right. I'm like, Jesus when that was new. Christ. When, when you do uh, improvise someone doing hat comedy. Mm-hmm. That's what you do is you ever notice that right. like, and I mean, imagine how infuriating it must be to be somebody who's like, I have created something and then have generations of people just rip it off to the point where it's like, I mean, the, the good thing about George is he had a ton of other shit to yeah. do. And it's the same thing. Like if you watch, I mean, Carlin, especially there's a historical element to it. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's like, Dude, you can't do that. Yeah. By the uh, way, he's still my favorite comedian. He's the first album I ever bought on my own before I even bought music was uh, George Carlin, A Place for My Stuff. I fucking love George Carlin. Wonderful wine. But it's weird watching but it's, or listening now and being it's like, It's that same yeah, thing. Everyone yeah, does like, that. I mean, and the thing, same thing with Pryor. I mean, like so many black comedians have ripped him off. The, the great thing about Pryor is you can't. Nobody's been able to do it at the level that he's oh, yeah, that yeah. He, like, I mean, yeah, people can do jokes like that. They can do personal stuff like that. But like nobody has the combination. Right. And I think the same thing is true of Carlin. Like you can have, you know, people talking, you know, talking dirty. You can have people doing, you know, observational stuff. You can have people doing, you know, being angry. But nobody did all of them yeah. as well as he did. And the same thing with Pryor. Like Pryor's acting in his comedy is is untouchable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, did you ever hear uh, Black Ben, the blacksmith, the thing where he's doing the pri- – or Prison Play. Prison Play is uh, the name of the remember. bit. It's this bit where he's like, all right, all right, all you prisoners, calm down, calm down. We're going to see some uh, some theatrics here. 
We have a, and it's basically this warden or sheriff or something in a in a prison introducing a group of you know a, a, a theater group a theater group in the prison, <laughs> and it's prior doing everything. It's like you, you, you like oh that's great. He's doing this guy and he's like all right you inside. thank you thank you sheriff thank you. Uh, what we are going to see now is uh, Black Ben the blacksmith. Here is Ben. He is a blacksmith, a slave, and he meets young Marsha. <laughs> all right hold it, hold it. no no don't don't worry. The nigger dies at the end. Oh, okay, there you uh, go on. <laughs> and when you're listening to it, it's like you forget that it's one person. Yeah. You know? But at the same time, it's also this, like, real, wildly subversive, yeah. like, racial stuff. But it's actually not as, like, edgy language-wise as some of his later stuff. Yeah. But oh, it's, he's so, it's good. so fully realized. Yeah. He's so funny. I remember I, – I mean, not that recently, but maybe within the last two years I watched – uh, Richard Pryor live on the Sunset Strip. Really? And fucking Jesse Jackson is like sitting front row. <laughs> fucking front row. Jesse Jackson yeah. at this. Oh, it was fucking amazing. Is that, yeah. And it was at the Palladium, which I didn't realize. Oh, wow. Right there on Sunset. Right, right, right. Like, for God. some reason in my head, I always thought it was at the Roxy or something. But I, and I think he does have a special at the Roxy, but like. It was at the Palladium, which is a huge fucking venue to do comedy in. Yeah. Well, come on. At that, when, I that mean, time, now people are doing them in, like, arenas and shit. But Well, that's because they need the money. Because yeah. you, you can't sell any records anymore. No. <laughs> do people still, like, how do you make money in comedy? Just clubs, right? Touring. Touring. I, I yeah, I, was at, I went to Best Buy the other day. And I was like, oh, I'm going to see what DVDs they have. And their DVD section is like... Is it shrinking? It's tiny. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, let's see what dramas they have. And the drama shelf was just like one shelf wide. Whoa. You know? I was like, wow, it's really only what's current. Yeah, you're not, you're not there to browse anymore. Like, no. you browse online and then you come to buy. Yeah. If, if you want to browse DVDs, excuse me, you have to go to like Amoeba or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only place I'll go to look for DVDs. Well, it's the only place you can really that find them. It has more than one shelf. Oh, man. And welcome to Old Guy Talk. <laughs> I remember when Tower Records closed. <laughs> going, oh. <laughs> going to Amoeba is like going to, you know, like one of those old ghost towns where they put on a show. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> here we have the comedy section. Oh, my God. <laughs> we... We met. Oh, jeez. I rem- I don't remember actually meeting you, but I remember meeting you. Like, right? I think you were teaching a workshop. Yeah, mid nineties. Yeah, like ninety six or ninety seven. Oh God! At the Groundlings, right. it's where I met a lot of people that I still actually know today. But yeah, and Phil, uh, I, who I met at the Groundlings, I was taking classes. You were in the company, Definitely. and and then. I was in a class with like Maya Rudolph, Jordan <laughs> Black, um, Demorge Brown, uh, that was a Emily good. Emily Spivey. Spivey, and a bunch of other people. And we did we did our advanced show, our final level show. And I, who was I just talking to? I, I can't remember who. God damn it! I can't remember who I was talking to about 
how everyone at the Groundlings, maybe it was even you, like as soon as you finish your class, like your right. last class, everyone's like, this is a fucking, we have a great show. <laughs> We're going to keep doing it. And right. we would rent a theater. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so we did our best sketches at this theater. And we had asked you to direct the, yeah. the show for us. Yeah. It was called Attack of the White Negro. I still have that chair. What chair? There, oh, we got gave, you a you chair. with a the... chair like as a, a thank you gift at the end. Oh, shit. I got to get that out of my garage tomorrow. I've never, on the show, and I haven't worked on a ton of shows, but the show, I've never gotten a director, like, director's chair with one of those. Ba- I mean, I've had well, the backings, but I've never kept them. <laughs> and it's been like, I've always, you know, even before I was acting, I was like, I al- I've always wanted one of those director chairs with yes. my name on the back. And then you're working on a show and you have one for like a couple seasons and then the show ends and you without, to you, take it. without you knowing it. It's like, <laughs> oh, I, have, I finished shooting six months ago, so it's... Right, and you get canceled later. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's funny because now you just made me realize that also up there in the garage, which I'm about to clear out tomorrow, is a folding chair from my very first professional job. Which was? Which was uh, even before the Mr. T cartoon. Mr. T cartoon was my first, like, where I got my SAG card. But, like, I did this thing. The Mr. T cartoon. I don't think I even knew there was a Mr. T cartoon. <laughs> and I fucking love Dude, Mr. T. Once, really? Once you've got a cereal, a cartoon is pretty much just de rigueur. Yeah. Uh, but, no, we did this thing. They, these producers went around to, like, L.A. private schools, you know, asking drama teachers, do you guys have, you know, kids who are, like, they, did it, they were doing a kids interview show. Where they wanted to have kids interview celebrities. Uh-huh. This was eighty. Oh shit! God, eighty. Wait, what year did I graduate? Graduated eighty four. So this must have been eighty two or something. And they were going to do the show called Chevy Chase meets the kids. It was a, <laughs> it was a pilot for an interview series. That has disaster written all oh, over yeah. it. <laughs> they they got a bunch of kids together and they workshopped us for like two months. On interview techniques, because they because they had done one before where Dolly Parton meets the kids, Ugh. and they just had kids like planted around a room in soft focus, like in poses with yeah. with pre written questions. Yeah. So Dolly, what was it like growing up in Tennessee? And it was horrible, Ugh. horrible to watch, uh, unwatchable. So their new version was like, well, you need the kids to ask the questions. You know, it has to be organic. Of course, nobody used the word organic back in 81. Yeah. Um, so what they did was like, well, w- but we want them to ask the right questions. Yeah. So they had us go through like mock interview sessions for like weeks with like, who was it? Tom Leopold was one of our Chevy Chase stand-ins. <laughs> like all these people, like we were pretending to interview Chevy and we would ask questions. And whenever you asked a good one, afterward they go, oh, that was a good one. Oh, shit. And then on the day, we were supposed to improvise and ask these questions off the cuff, but remember exactly which questions you had done. How old were you? I was like 10th grade. Oh, okay. Something like that. And I, I remember I had like a, what the fuck kind of shirt did I have on? This was my fancy wear. I had leather pants ah. and like <laughs> one of those double-breasted shirts. Oh, the like fucking with the 80s, man. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what. And I could not get a question in. I could, like, everybody else just fucking steamrolled over me. I'm like, I, I, I did have a bit with Chevy at the very beginning. Like, That's crazy. And yeah, he was, he was, he was not that, not, not nice. nice. 
Was this like Fletch era? It was post-Fletch. Ugh. But he was still like famous. Yeah. But not so famous that he could wouldn't do this. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's never been too famous to do that. <laughs> but yeah, that was and I and I got a chair that said Phil on it because we all had chairs. Wow, that's and, I fucking, I took and you still have it? Yeah, I still have it. Phil, but it just says Phil. It doesn't say Phil Lamar. Nope, just Phil. Because <laughs> it was supposed to be informal, Steve. It's just kids hanging out with Chevy. Wait, who did you play in the Mr. T uh, cartoon? I was Woody Daniels, the smart one. Are, are these online, these Mr. T cartoons? I have no idea. they got to be on YouTube. I, I I don't know. I don't know if anybody would actually bother. Because you got to remember, like, there's fandoms, and then there are things that are just sort of out there. Like, I always joke with people, like, you know, go to these comic book conventions, like, yeah, the people who, you know, Futurama doesn't have, like, an enormous fan base. Right. But I guarantee the peop- the tens of millions of people who tuned in to watch Everybody Loves Raymond, yeah. you know, every week, are not going to buy a maquette of yeah, Brad yeah. Garrett. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's a different kind of engagement. And I'm pretty sure there wasn't anybody who was engaged with the Mr. T cartoon on that level. I don't know, man. I... I have friends who are so, like, still living in the 80s, like, as far as, like, collecting lunchboxes and stuff and, like, Mr. T shit. And it wouldn't surprise me if – I'm speaking particularly of our friend Scott Chernoff, who uh, (laughs) – his house is a shrine to 80s television. I bet he would have that. I get yeah I gotta ask him about that. Um, Let's get let's go to some questions. I think some people actually tweeted some. Yeah, man. There are already. Uh, this is from someone named Nerd Uso, Nerduso. Nerduso. Uh, there are already rumors of Futurama returning. Wishful thinking, or see you in the year three thousand. Are there rumors of Futurama? I, I haven't heard any coming back again. Uh, no, but the weirdest thing about this, you know, this latest cancellation, is this, the lack of uh, care. People go, oh, yeah, you guys got canceled again. Yeah, yeah the, first time it, back. the first like, time it was outraged. Oh, yeah, people were wailing, tearing their hair, you know, throwing themselves prostrate. Like, it was, it was biblical. Yeah. Now it's like, eh, you, probably, you guys probably do some more, right? One somehow, right? Yeah. You know, it's, I, I mean, but I get it. It's like if you had, like, a lot of parents. Yeah. By, like, the third mother, people are going to go, yeah, well, yeah, it's sad and all, but, you know. Yeah, you've you've lost a, cu- a couple of moms already. You must be used to it by now. <laughs> you know. Um. How? All right. <laughs> Did you? No, just I was gonna, I was gonna start asking about VO in particular. You're in a there's a there's a documentary out. Is it out yet or just came out? I recognize that voice. Yeah, I know that. Voice. I know that voice. Yeah, John DiMaggio produced it. Um, I don't think it's out yet. Um, they did a they did a premiere. Soon, yeah, it's out yeah. soon. They're gonna they're gonna put it on. It's gonna be available on demand. And stuff. I can't wait to see that. It's it's a documentary about voiceover artists. Yeah, yeah. Hence the name. Cool. I know that voice. It's you <laughs> and shit. Pretty much everyone. Like it's E.G. Daily. It's e- pretty much everybody in the m- mainstream voiceover world except Frank Welker. And why? Uh, just because you can't get Frank. Fuck it. <laughs> but it's got June Foray's in there, you know, like oh, I think Billy Kelly uh, Owens, Billy, Billy West. West oh yeah, it? yeah. Tom Tom Kenny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly everybody who's working now. Yeah, you know. Um, huh. I wasn't in it. That's weird. <laughs> 
I've done like four voiceovers in my life. That's good fucking work, man. There's nothing like showing up in your not having to go through makeup and shit. Oh, nice work if you can get it. The the funny thing, though, it's like, you know, you don't get rich because it's all scale. It's scale across the board. You know, like no matter if you've been doing it 25 yeah. years, you know, Rob Paulson is, you know, being a Ninja Turtle for the second time around. I go do that show. We're, we're both getting paid the same, that's, even though, you know, it's like so weird to me. And it's day it's day player contracts. And yeah. I don't know if they're if it's designed to remind you that you're replaceable. Yeah. I was like, you just here for the day. Don't get comfortable. Yeah. There are people that can do impressions of every <laughs> fucking voice. I heard. Tell me if this is true. I heard that there was somebody a lot of the time doing Ron Howard's voice narration for uh, Arrested first, Development. Really? I had not. I've not heard that. Like, like the first season, apparently it was all Ron Howard. But I heard like. That there's the, somebody, the later stuff, it's somebody doing Ron. There's Howard. a Ron alike. Wow. Yeah. I, I wonder who that is. Because I've done voice matches for people. And I know, like, uh, my buddy Phil Morris, when he was working on the PJs, like, the first season, Eddie Murphy voiced the lead character. And then when they couldn't find, you know, couldn't get Eddie in to record, Phil would, you know, double for him. Wow. And then after a while, like, Eddie just stopped showing up. And so it was just like, well, we'll just keep the temp, Phil. That was great. Thanks. And Eddie was probably somebody that wasn't working for scale. Yes. Well, that's the thing. Uh, Primetime, you know, animated shows, or it's a different different pay scale. Like you, network You can't shows. actually get rich doing that. Like family guy stuff. And... Yeah. Yeah. And basically it's, I mean, it's not a crime or anything. It's like, well, when you show a show at primetime at the night, on, you know, you can do car commercials. Yeah. When you run it on Saturday morning on cable- you're doing, you know, Otter Pops. Yeah, I remember the first you know. couple times I got hired to do voiceover. I was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to be rich, motherfuckers. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, this is just, <laughs> no, this no. is, I'll pay my phone bill. Yeah, unless you can get on one of those, you know, get on that uh, Seth MacFarlane train. <sighs> yeah, or even Bob's Burgers. Those guys got to be making, you know, decent money. I did now. Cleveland once and they, they just canceled it, I guess. Right, which is a bummer. Such a bummer. There's all good, ta- good, talented people over there. But, uh, Let's go to some more questions. More questions though. from the internet. <laughs> oh, it was the Adam T that asked, how, was, how were you going to answer uh, Vincent before you got your head blown off? <laughs> um, the internet. Uh, Nerduso, again, did you come up with Hermes' exclamations on the spot or were they in the script? <laughs> no, I did not come up with. Dude, you can't. Pretty much all scripted, yeah. Yeah, I mean. Especially the writing staff we have on Futurama. I mean, it's like guys with fucking PhDs and, you know, their knowledge is so far outstrips mine. And They're like actually knowledgeable in like time travel and shit. Oh, yeah. All of, them, all of the math and science in Futurama is, if not factual, fact-based. Really? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, fucking crazy. Oh, it's, it's insane. There's an alien language in there, man. Uh, uh, so no, I did not come up with the the uh, animals that rhyme with places that uh, started with David X Cohen and then uh, continued on. Were you more sad uh, when Futurama ended or Samurai Jack? Phil, of course, is Samurai Jack. Uh, yes, I did the voice of the samurai. Oh. Um, well, that's a weird one because uh, Samurai Jack was never actually canceled. Futurama, we got the got the fucking axe. Yeah. Um, so yes, I was more sad when Futurama was canceled because I because knew it was, it was canceled. Yeah, Samurai How did Jack. Samurai Jack in then. It just well petered out. Well, first no the um, 
George Lucas came to Cartoon Network and said, I want to do um, some animated pieces, and the guy who does Samurai Jack is great. So they got Gendy Tartakovsky, the guy who created Samurai Jack, to do the Clone Wars micro-series, these five-minute episodes, which were fantastic. Oh, those were really fucking good. Oh, yeah. I mean, it really, like, reminded you why the Star Wars universe is so cool. So good. And then those turned out so well, Lucas hired him away from Cartoon Network. And, you know, that's right. So the show was never actually intended to stop. It was just going to go on hiatus while the Clone Wars thing was being done and didn't come back. And then it just sort of didn't come back. Ugh, I, I hate that. I hate ugh, the politics of television. I, I didn't realize that, that that happened with like Stranger. One of my favorite shows, Strangers, Strangers with, with Candy, Candy, was never canceled. Really? It was just kind of. They went on hiatus, and that was it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's just, you know, attrition. Um, what else? What else does the inter- internet want to know? I, I can't find it here, but I know someone, and it was probably this Nerduso guy again, uh, said there were rumors that J.J. Abrams was going to do uh, a live a- – was it a live action? Well, yeah. uh, Was it Futurama? It's, oh, no, Samurai, Samurai Jack. Jack. Uh J.J. was – no, not live action. J.J. was talking uh, to Gendy a couple of years back about helping get a uh, feature 2D animation version made. Years ago, after the first season when the show was first took off, there was actually a deal in place and development on a Brett Ratner-directed <laughs> live action version of Samurai Jack. Really? Yes, which thankfully never saw the light of day. How would something like that – Work like obviously it would be bad. It would work badly, <laughs> and obviously the voice actors wouldn't be playing. No, 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 no. Couldn't play the. No, it would be like Inspector roles. Gadget. Oh yeah, yeah. We just hire somebody to play the. Ugh, no thanks, Samurai <laughs> Jack. Uh oh, Mad TV question here, Phil. Uh oh, you were I was on, on that. Yeah, were you were you on the original lineup of Mad TV? Yeah, yeah, I remember testing with uh, Artie Lang and and Nicole Sullivan in the. Oh fuck, I forgot Artie Lang. Yeah, yeah, Artie did the first two seasons. Will Sasso wasn't the first season. Was no, he? Will came on in the third season. Okay, this question is from Brian Strain. Uh, question for both of you: Did you have a favorite sketch and or character from Mad TV, Phil? Um. I, I mean, the UPS guy is my favorite character just because it's the character that I brought yeah. there. That was you a know. Groundlings character. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I used to do – it's funny because the first sketch I did I did with Mary Shear, I also did the the very first time on stage with Mary. Yeah. You know, so we – I don't know. think a lot of people realize that when they see uh, some of these sketches on on shows like Mad TV or Saturday Night Live, a lot of times they're sketches from whatever this person's background was. Yeah, Like exactly. Will Ferrell brought – a lot of characters into SNL. Uh, Mike McDonald brought his Stuart character. Oh, yeah. That was a Groundlings character. Oh, for, yeah. That used, forever. To, that used to kill. Um, well, no, and it's funny because, like, I mean, an extreme example of that is when Melissa McCarthy went to host SNL. SNL yeah. She brought some of her Groundlings sketches. Yeah, I remember that. Because she sure as hell wasn't going to do them on Mike and Molly. And they were fucking great. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, which is a testament to her. I mean, that, that's not easy. Like, shit doesn't, act, doesn't always translate. I, I would say, I mean, one of my favorite Mad TV sketch of yours for sure the the UPS guy, but I think one of my all time favorites is Will Sasso's uh, Kenny Rogers. <laughs> Fuck me, that is funny as shit, man. I really would love to w- see somebody cut 
all of those sketches together in chronological order. Because the first one, I th- was that a Blaine? Was Blaine still there third season? There was it, the first time he did it. It was just a character in like a relatively hacky sketch. It was a Kenny Kenny Rogers roasters thing, right? And the joke was Kenny's fat and sloppy, and he gets barbecue sauce all over him. Yeah, saying, Hi, I'm Kenny Rogers, and he's just cov- you know beard is covered in barbecue sauce. And wasn't and, he a drunk too? Like no, not at first. At he first, became a drunk. It was though, just right? a dead on Kenny Rogers impression. Yeah, on a Kenny Rogers brosters, and the joke was all of this other stuff. But the producers love the messy stuff so much. They're like, "We got to do another Kenny Rogers. We got to yeah. do another one." And Will, I think I always imagined that it was just to keep himself, you know, amused by it. Started pushing the character. Yeah. So it like went from "Hi, I'm Kenny Rogers." To, Hi. I'm Kenny Rogers. Yeah. Hi, I'm Kenny Rogers. <laughs> to the to where it became That's this so thing so time. unrelated to actually. I remember him Kenny doing Rogers. a sketch with the jackass guys. Yes. Kenny Rogers just hitting himself in the head with bottles. Fuck. Hey, what are y'all doing? No, that was, hey, Kenny Rogers. Like stroked out. Like drunk. he was trying to get the character off of the show. Yes. Like. Hoping a producer after would be like, we can never <laughs> fucking do that again. We've got him fucking drunk. Right. Nobody ever gave him the note. Oh, my God. Um, wait, what was – oh, favorite sketch. I have a couple of f- favorite sketches. One, uh, Jenna Jolovitz wrote this sketch that's on YouTube somewhere about a Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. And or ho- some sort of holiday dinner, and it's a you know bunch of people sitting around the table, and they're like, "Oh, that was great." And the, Nicole's the the uh, woman who's cooking, and she claims, "All right, everybody, great." It's like, "Well, we've got a little bit more uh, stuffing," and Mike here's like, "Oh, well, don't mind if I do." And then like he's <laughs> then they do a wipe, it's like 15 minutes later. Oh, oh boy, that was great. <laughs> and it's like, "All right, well, I guess should we get to to, to get to dessert?" It's like, "More turkey." What? More turkey! And, like, he begins to go, like, food insane yeah. to the point where he pulls a gun. He's like, keep the turkeys coming! And he's just... <laughs> it's so out there. That and uh, Brian Hart had this sketch called Insanely Disappointed about a guy that. presenting a report to his boss. He's like, Dobbs, Dobbs, I'm glad you're here. I wanted... It's like, oh, did you get my report, sir? Yes, Dobbs, I read your report. And I found it disappointing. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. No, Dobbs, I found it insanely disappointing. Oh, I didn't realize it was... It drove me mad, Dobbs. And then it, like, escalates from there. It's like, I shaved my head. I was uh, in the middle of the night in a wedding gown, howling like a wolf. You know? It literally made me crazy. Yes. It's like, I think I killed a man last night. You know who I wish would do more live action? You, A. I mean, you, you're pretty much just solidly doing... Voiceover. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll I'll do whatever they pay me to do, Steve. We recently, what was the thing we were both on? Like within the past, maybe Happy two, Endings, right? Happy Endings. Yeah. We were on the same episode of Happy Endings. I know that's um, funny. But also David Herman. Yes, that motherfucker is so funny. Oh my god, he's so good on Mad TV. He's so good in Office Space. I just watched Idiocracy. Yeah, the other night, and it's he's so great funny. In that. <laughs> he's just so real. I mean, it's such a huge character. Well, you know, some about Dave. He just, uh, yeah, he can make anything funny. Yeah, you know? he does a lot of voiceover. I, I I see him at voiceover stuff every now and then, and as soon as I see his face, I'm like, Jesus Christ! He yeah, he's doing a, the show Brickleberry. Yeah, Comedy Central. You know. It's Daniel Tosh. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. I want, I want to get on that. <laughs> get me on that, Come man. On, get DP, me on that. DPN, we're at the same voiceover agent, thanks to you. <laughs> I remember. And that came from the sad, sad conversation. Yes. I was bitching about, in a video blog, about uh, my voiceover agents, I think, or something. And or just not, or did you not have one at the time, or something like that? Oh, I think, yeah, I think I, I didn't have one at the time. Which was, yeah, and I was just like, "That's ridiculous." And um, you're, and you yeah. texted me or emailed me, you're like, "I'm gonna give your name to to DPN." And yeah, because the thing next is, thing I know is yeah. a DPN. Well, and uh, that's a credit to you. And it's worked. I've, I've, you know, because I've, some... I've recommended other people. With, like, with more credits than you, and they don't necessarily – they don't take it Nice. Oh, I like hearing that. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm doing some Adventure Time next week. Oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's You've a fun done show. that, right? That's yeah. a fucking great show. Just in the last uh, few months, because uh, there was a period where I was doing a ton of stuff at Cartoon Network, and then for like three years, I never like booked anything, never like walked through the door. Yeah. And then the last uh, year or so, did Adventure Time and uh, – uh, Mixels. Yeah, th- these Did you do anything things. for Rick and Morty? Mm-mm. That's the new Adult Swim show. They they record voice over here. It's oh uh, really? Dan Harmon and Justin oh. Ronald. It's Chris Parnell's in it. And oh, it's re- well, it's going to be a, more than Chris Parnell. It's going to be really funny. That's another uh, old old groundling buddy of mine. Yeah, yeah. God, he's funny. He's a funny dude. Great voice. Yes, great voice, Philip. Archer. Is, it, is your full name Philip? Philip with two L's. Yes. Oh, Phil. Yes. How about that? Fancy. The fancy spelling. Do you, have you been allowed to do uh, much improvisation on uh, voiceover stuff? It depends. Yeah, some shows, you know. I found it Adventure Time, they're, they get the line and then they let you do yeah, a couple. Yeah. I was amazed when I went in to do that show for the first time and I was like really nervous. And it was one of the few uh, voiceovers I've done where like the whole cast was in the room at yeah. the same time. And, like, everyone's sitting up on stools like we're on, and then John DiMaggio is sitting, like, in a regular chair right. with his iPad just playing, <laughs> just like, it. solitaire. Yeah. And just not paying attention. They'll be like, <laughs> John, that's you. And he'll look up and see the line, and he'll be like, we got to go to the castle. And then he'll be like, all right, great. And then, <laughs> like, he's so fucking good at what he does that, like, it's effortless for him. That's funny. Yeah, actually, wait, are we still recording? We are still recording. Oh, good. Now, actually, John and I just worked on something. And it's funny because, yeah, because we spent so much time, you know, in booths together with iPads. But this thing, we were doing motion capture. Oh, shit. Which was like, oh, wow, you can't just like. You have to move. You have to fucking memorize. Oh. Because there's no, you can't hold the script. Everything you're doing with your body. Are there teleprompters? No. No. Because, dude, dude. You have a suit, right? Yeah. With the balls all, the reflective balls all over it? Yeah. You have a helmet with a camera and a light, and you have dots on your face for reference there. So they're filming your face while they're they're recording your body from around. You're so, just on a big sound stage. Yeah. So you can't, like, if there's a prompter, you would be turning to look at the prompter, and they wouldn't be what able to What was this it. for? Are you allowed to say? I'm not allowed to say. Is it a video game? I'm not allowed to say. Yeah, it's a video game. Yeah, that sounds very... They're really starting to do that a lot now for video games. It's crazy, man. I had a friend who worked on a video game recently, and it was all motion capture. Yeah. She was there for, like, three months. Not three months, but for, like, a month and a half. Wow. And was just like... She's like, this is like one of the hardest things I've ever done. Well, because it's, it's like an action video game where oh she's like, God. I'm running around, I'm like mm-hmm. fighting people. 
Yeah, no, I, yeah, I was in a harness and shit, like stunts. I'm like, uh, maybe I'm not qualified. I'm 46. I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's funny because like in the past, like I'd been asked to do stuff like that. I'm like, no way. Because to me, I always assumed like it was a correlation, like regular animation to video game, you know, because video games are so much harder. Yeah. I mean, instead of doing a half an hour in four hours, you're doing like five hours of mm-hmm. material in four hours. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, even if you're not screaming, your throat's sore by the end of the Oh, my hours. God, yeah. And usually you are screaming. Yeah. You know, because basically any game with, you know, actors in it probably also has action and dying. Yep. You know, it's like, and I, although I've realized if you're the lead character, that's less screaming than if you're a supporting character. Yeah. Because if you're a supporting character, it's like, well, you're... the player could turn and kill you at any time. So we need... What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> ah! Now we need you electrocuted. <laughs> now, oh, there's a download uh, where we're going to have a, you know, a flamethrower. So we're going to need some fiery screams. You know? Yeah, I I did one voiceover for a video game. It was Brutal Legend. It was that Jack, oh, yeah, Jack, the Jack Black, Black game. Thing. And I... I it was very late in the hiring process, so I was like one of the few characters left. It was this uh, demon called the Skull Raker, Ooh. and it was just – I was it, like so excited to go in, and I went one in. one of those voices? Like, die! It was very much Hulkish, like, and – Oh, fuck. And they had booked me for like four hours, and I go in, and like within half an hour, I was like, I'm done. And they're like – like that's all right. We'll uh, we'll just book you for a few more days. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh sweet, that's right. But they're like, do you want tea with honey? And I'm like, I don't know. Do I need that? And they're like, yes, probably. Oh, dude, yeah, especially. And it's it's funny because it comes to the point where you have to like, if you're auditioning for a video game, you got to stop and think like, dude, uh, well, I think I... this character would sound like. Mm, Maybe he would sound like this instead, because <laughs> you know, yeah, like that voice. You can't do that. You literally. Physically cannot do that for four hours. I do that all the time now in, in VO auditions. Like, my first thought is, let's try this character. It's something that I could maintain for a long period of time. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause, I don't want to get picked up on a series where I am screaming for <laughs> five seasons. Oh, I mean, I would do it. But, but yeah, exactly. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't enjoy it as much. You'd be a real bummer, man. But, yeah, I always thought that motion capture was the – like was to you know on camera acting what video game voicing was to regular voicing like just like the same thing but on steroids yeah. like so much harder I'm like oh fuck that I'm not gonna do that it sounds like it sounds horrible yeah um, but then I realized like well it's it's about the same as as being the lead in an on camera thing like it requires that that sort of focus because. Like, you don't have the fucking downtime you're used to having on a set? No. Because, you know, like, you know, when you're doing a movie or whatever, it's like, all right, you get real intense for a very short period of time, and then they move lights for 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, so, like, if you're not that great on your lines in a movie, you can, like, you can fudge it. You're like, I'm going to get a few more shots at this. Exactly. But with this, it's like, there's no set. There's no light. It's just a page full of lines, sentences, like, one after the other. Yeah. Well, but and for the motion capture, they actually do smaller sections, mm-hmm. you know, and you are doing scenes. Oh, yeah, you're acting. But it's like there's a, a apple box here that is the, you know, the stairs up to the mountain. And all, all the only downtime you have is how long it takes them to put up the box. Yeah. All right, we're ready. Like, oh, shit. Oh, okay. Jesus Christ, I just want to sit down for <laughs> We don't have the time, Phil. Get on the fucking apple box. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
that. Yeah, it was fun. The great thing is they have this real time stuff where you can like you know look over at a oh, screen see it animated, and see your character like put on over you. No like, shit. So when you move your arm, you see the 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 animator. video games fucking amaze oh, me. Fuck, it's amazing, man. Oh, I went there and like one of the guys said, "Hey, do you want to play the game?" I'm like, what do you? And like he had you know like rough Scenes. gameplay. No, no, not scenes, not not cinematics. The game on his computer with a fucking like uh, Xbox controller attached to his laptop. Really? Yeah, because they've already you know rendered some of the world and some of the game. Yeah, yeah. You know it is. It goes in. It's such. It's so huge. It goes in stages. Yeah. Like I'm sure if I sat there long enough, I would have come to a point where like it ended. You know, like oh, then you fall the off the edge of the, of the world. Right. That's amazing. Yeah, it's that shit. Video games make so much more money than movies now. Like that, the recent Call of Duty made like a billion, took in a billion dollars worth of orders on their first day. Wait, was it Call of Duty the last big one or was it GTA that was the last? Call of Duty. Okay. GTA was just before that. Call of Duty is like, just came out like a week, a week ago. Yeah. A billion in a fucking day. And not a penny of back end. No, no, none of the actors are seeing. Nobody back is, in. and that's that's the. It's funny because we've been talking about that for you know people who do this voice. It's like, man, we need to get some fucking. It's like, and the thing is, the culture is completely different. You know, because in TV and movies, there's a lot of people getting back in. Yeah. You know, but in the video game world, it's like, uh, hey, dude, I just spent nine, 19 months working twenty two hour days rendering shit. I don't get no fucking back in. No. Nope. Why do you fucking four-hour actor think you deserve? Who sees all that money? The publishers, man. Ugh. It's like the music biz, you know? It's like the the guy who owns the fucking A guy who's thing. probably never played the game. Of course. A I don't fat have... white guy who's like, Steve, I, I don't have time to play the games. I'm too busy counting my money. Yeah, I'm... Uh, I'm... <laughs> I'm flying to France. Right. There's a there's a great little game company there. I'm going to buy them. Yeah. And then they're going to make a video game while I'm flying back to America. <laughs> oh, those fuckers, man. You make well, a great millionaire, Steve. That, thanks. I'm trying. Still a million bucks short. <laughs> uh, all right, man. All right. Thank uh, you, we man. did it, Phil. We did it. Thanks for doing this. Um, do you have any closing thoughts? No closing thoughts. Just th- thank you for having me on, man. Yeah, man. I'm yeah. glad. Uh, I'm glad you did this, and on short notice too. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, and thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you. All right. I want to thank Phil Lamar for coming in and doing that for me. I know he's busy, and the last thing he probably wants to do is sit in front of another microphone when that's all he does all day. But uh, what a what a guy. Uh, thanks for listening. If you want to donate to my show, uh, there should be a link on the page to donate and you click that link and uh, give whatever you want I don't care if you give a penny every little bit helps and uh, if you want to donate to Feral there are links on the Feral Feral site to do that and because um, we don't make a lot of money it, it's a collective it's uh, you know so everything you can give helps and uh, also if you want to buy stuff on Amazon there's a link on my page if you use that link to go buy Maybe you're going to buy Pulp Fiction just because you're like, hey, I want to see Phil Lamar get his head shot off again. I remember that. Uh, you can do that uh, through Amazon. Click the link on my page. I get a little bit of a kickback, and it costs no extra money to you. And while I'm at it, uh, I want to give a special thanks and shout-out to everyone at Starburns, uh, namely for letting us use their space to record this podcast in. Um, 
I think things would sound a lot shittier if uh, it wasn't for Starburns. And uh, while I'm at it, let's plug their uh, upcoming show, Rick and Morty on Adult Swim. Uh, set your DVRs, stay up late, make sure you watch the show. I've seen a few episodes. It's going to be fucking amazing. It's called Rick and Morty. It's going to be on, uh, it starts airing December 2nd. And uh, please tune in. You won't be sorry. It's going to be fucking amazing. So thanks, uh, Rick and Morty. Thanks to everyone at Starburns. And thanks for listening. Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. 